Welcome to the Faith Assembly Podcast. We're so glad that you've joined us today. It is our desire at Faith to help you connect, grow, and go in your walk with God. We hope you're encouraged by this message from Pastor Steve. Well, if you've got your Bible with you or however you access the Scripture, I want to invite you to turn with me to Genesis chapter 26. Genesis chapter 26 And we're going to be taking a look again at the Old Testament book of Genesis. Again, how I came up with so much material on a series called The Unstoppable Church from the book of Genesis. I don't know, but here we are. Uh, The Lord just impressed so many of these truths in my heart as I was studying and, and looking to the Lord for guidance and direction. And we are here in Genesis chapter 26 this morning. And Genesis 26 is going to give us a recounting of a time in the life of a man named Isaac. And in particular, in this particular part of Isaac's life, we're going to be looking specifically at his insistence on digging wells and making sure that his household had access to life-sustaining water. Now, along with that, we're also going to look at his adversary's contention against he and his family having access to this water. And you may be wondering today, what in the world does a man who was basically a shepherd by trade, what significance does this Old Testament figure and his digging wells have to do with me, a 21st century believer? Now, if you were here last week or you heard the message last week and you adhered to my challenge to read this text, uh, the greater portion of text that we were discussing last week, then you certainly read through this passage and maybe you thought to yourself, well, so Isaac dug some wells. That's neat. That's cool. I I appreciate that. Ho-hum, what does it mean? And, you know, the truth is, though, there is a powerful spiritual parallel between what we'll read of Isaac's experience here in Genesis 26. Also, we're going to take a look at what his father faced that was a similar situation in Genesis 21. And we're going to correlate that to our spiritual well-being today. You and I as believers. And with this text today, we're going to underscore the truth that the unstoppable church lives reliant on the Holy Spirit. The unstoppable church lives reliant on the Holy Spirit. So, I want, I want to be unstoppable. I want to be unstoppable in my prayer for Faith Assembly Church as it is now, or as the Lord may guide in the future, any of its future endeavors, is that we stand unstoppable against the onslaught of our adversary until the kingdom's purpose has been fulfilled through our efforts. Now, let me reveal the parallel here to you, and you'll readily begin to see the picture here and what we're going to be talking about today. Isaac had to dig wells to sustain his household, to give them access to life-giving, life-sustaining water. 
And in the New Testament and throughout the Bible, the Holy Spirit is often symbolized as water. As a matter of fact, Jesus said this in John chapter 7, we read beginning in verse 37, On the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, if I could give you a, a bit of a mental imagery here, if you can think about this, Jesus is seated in the crowd as you are now, and there's a ceremony that's transpiring in front. And at this certain point in the, in the, in the feast, the, the, the celebration that was going on there, the priests would come in carrying large water pots, and they would begin to pour those out at the altar. And Jesus, seeing that, something welled up on the inside of him, and he stands out in a prophetic voice and begins to cry out these words. On the last great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart, or some translations say, out of his inmost being, will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke concerning the Spirit, whom those believing in him would receive. For the Holy Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. Now here and many other places, as we said in the Bible, the Holy Spirit is symbolized as water. And this issue of you and I having access to the water of the Spirit is a matter of expediency. It's, it'll become evident in Isaac's life, and so it is in ours that accessing this life-giving water source is a matter of expediency for you and I. It's important. It's not something that we need to forego or skip or abstain from, but it's something that we need to be regularly and actively partaking of. And some people, however, will hear a message on the Holy Spirit as, re as it relates to any subsequent work of the Spirit apart from salvation, His work in bringing us to the saving knowledge of Christ or any work that's secondary and ongoing in our lives and they will immediately dismiss both message and messenger and say, well, I'm already saved. I'm, I'm good, my sins are forgiven. They're happy in knowing their sins are forgiven. They're contented in, in resting in the hope of an eternity in heaven. But sadly, they're not at all interested in having an active and ongoing relationship with the Lord in the person and the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm happy to be saved and on my way to heaven as I know you are. And I am in no way trying to discount that miracle, but the issue of walking in the Spirit is not assumed as optional any place in the New Testament. In fact, quite the contrary. Jesus presented it, as we said, as a matter of expediency. We read here in John 16, and it says this, Nevertheless, Jesus talking to his disciples, he's telling them about how he's got a be crucified he's got to offer his life as a propitiation for sin and then be ascended to the father and they're saying oh lord we need you here and jesus said no no you don't you need me to go away you need me to go away the king james says it is expedient for you to go away the new king james says it's to your advantage that i go away 
Because if I do not go away, the helper, the comforter cannot come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. And Jesus continues and says, I still have many other things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he's going to guide you into all truth, for he will not speak of his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you the things to come. Now, church, I want to tell you something. It is of utmost importance that our sins be washed in the blood of the Lamb, but it is also of utmost importance that we abide daily hourly moment by moment in the presence and the power of the holy spirit allowing him to teach us to guide us into all truth to form in us the likeness of christ allowing him to comfort us allowing him to strengthen us and allowing him to embolden us to be witnesses of the gospel in this generation now friends your and my walking in fellowship with the Holy Spirit is no less expedient today than it was on the day that Jesus uttered these words. It's no less important that you and I wait before the Lord until we be endued with power from on high than it was for the 120 on the day of Pentecost in the upper room. It's no less important that you and I are continually being filled with the presence and the power of God, that you and I are continually drinking from the river of God's Spirit than it was when Paul instructed the church at Ephesus that they were to be continually being filled with the presence and the Spirit of God. Now, you and I, church, need to be engaged in actively digging wells so as to access this life-sustaining water of the Holy Spirit. Now, if you've got your spot there in Genesis 26, I want you to look with me here, and we're going to begin here. Uh, Genesis 26, verse 1, begins with the very verse here that says, and there was a famine in the land. What land? It was the promised land. It was the land that God had spoken to Abraham, Isaac's father, and said, I want you to leave where you are and go to the place that I'm going to show you, and there I'm going to bless you, and there I'm going to multiply you, and your descendants will be as the stars of heaven, and as the sands on the seashore, so your descendants will be. That's where I'm going to bless you. And it was in this land here, Genesis chapter 26, verse 1, it says, there was a famine in the land. Now, we have a problem with that. There's a little bit of a dilemma there in that a lot of people have misidentified Canaan and made a correlation between Canaan's land or the promised land and heaven. There have been songs written about it. There have been all kinds of poems and things said about it. I don't believe myself that Canaan actually is, is synonymous with heaven. But I do believe that it is synonymous with what Jesus said when he says, I have come that they might have life and have it more abundantly. Because if you remember when God spoke to the children of Israel in Egypt's bondage, he said to them, I'm going to take you out of this bondage and I'm going to take you to a good land, a large land, a land that's flowing with milk and honey. A land of abundance. There's a, there's a parallel. So the issue is here, when you and I tap into the Spirit 
and we begin to walk in the fullness of things that the Lord has prepared for us in this life. That is the promise for you and I right now. And you say, well, Pastor, I don't know about that whole not correlating to heaven thing. Well, let me tell you this. The whole time that the children of Israel occupied that land, they faced hostility, they faced pestilence, they faced famine, they faced adversaries coming against them. You're not going to face any of that in heaven. None of that's going to be there. There's going to be no tears in heaven. There's going to be no warring. There's going to be nobody coming against you trying to rob your joy and steal your peace and lead you back into captivity. But I'm telling you today, church, right now, right now on this January 31st, 2021, this is a season for you of promise. This is a season of, of promise over your life. God wants to bless you with abundance right now. Thank you, brother. I'm going to say that again. Maybe the rest of you will come back here, get off Facebook. Hey, this is your moment right now that God has promised blessing favor, and abundance over your life. Yes. Maybe, maybe, just maybe, one more time, brother. One more time. This is your moment right now that Jesus is wanting to bless you with favor and promise and abundance. There we go. If I'd told you you'd have won a new car, you'd have done that the first time. But we ought to be more excited about the things of the Spirit than we are things in the natural world anyway, shouldn't we? Because one day all of this is going to melt with a fervent heat. It's all going to be gone. But the things that we sow to in the Spirit are going to be eternal and everlasting things. And church, we ought to be excited about what God wants to do in this hour. Not so much what our portfolio is doing, but what God is wanting to do in this hour. Not so much what's going on in the government or what they're telling us on the news, but what is God up to? And what is He wanting to do in my life in this hour? I'm telling you today, I'm excited about what God wants to do in my life. I'm I'm excited about what God wants to do in my church. I'm excited about what God wants to do in my nation. And I'm excited about what God is wanting to do around this world. Amen. Amen. The lights finally came up. I think we actually have a couple of our missionary partners right here in service with us. Right here, Kevin and Mariah Thompson. Give it up for them. <laughs> serving on the foreign field. And I'm excited for you guys for what God wants to do in your ministry. And through you. But there was a famine in this land. Sound familiar? Oh, pastor, they're oppressing free speech. What are you going to do? I'm going to preach the gospel of Jesus. There, there, there's, there's, the, the, there's a perverseness and a wickedness that's taken over our land. What are you going to do? I'm going to tell people that Jesus saves and sets the captives free. As long as I've got a voice, I'm going to declare the goodness of God. <laughs> that's what I'm going to do. 
and we are people. If you look around us honestly as we survey what this world has to offer, there's nothing there that is found sufficient and satisfying for the deepest needs in our lives. And then the Lord speaks to Isaac, and I believe he's speaking to us right now. He begins in verse 2, and he says this, Isaac, the, the tradition was now, we're going we're gonna to take flight out of the land of promise, and we're going to go somewhere else and see if we can find a life of ease. And God speaks to Isaac in that next verse, and he says, listen, do not go down to Egypt. That's not where your promise is. That's not where your promise is. It may be easier. There, you may fare better in the, in the physical there, but that's not where your promise is. I want you to dwell in this land, and I will be with you, and I will bless you. I want to tell you something today, church. January 31, 2021, God will bless you. How many of you know that last July God was blessing you? Last August, God was blessing you. I, I'm, I'm just tired, tired, tired. Oh, gosh, I'm tired to death of hearing people say, I'm so glad to have 2020 in the rear view. All right, I know some hard things happened, but they did not negate the blessings of God. They did not negate the blessings or the power or the promise of God. We were still children of promise then, even in the midst of famine. God said, don't go down to Egypt, live in the land which I'm going to tell you, dwell in this land, and I'll be with you, and I'm going to bless you, and I'm going to give this land to your descendants and your seed, and you're, because of my, my Abraham my, obeyed my voice and kept my charge and my commandments and my statutes and my laws, you just stay here and trust me and walk in accordance with my word, and I'm going to bless you. I don't want you to go to Egypt. I don't want you seeking to have your needs fulfilled outside of my promise and my provision. And whether or not you see it in this barren land in which we live, this land is a land of our blessing. And then verse 6 notes Isaac's obedience, and the Bible says that Isaac dwelt in Gerar. It was on the southwest side of Canaan's land, the land of promise. And I'm not sure, but I've heard that things can get a little rough over there on the southwest side. But nonetheless, we skip ahead to verse 12, and it says, Then Isaac sowed in that land. He said, God, you gave me a promise, and I'm going to believe it. It don't look like it. I can't see it. I don't understand it. But Lord, you said stay here. And I'm not going to stay here curled up in a fetal position crying about how bad things are but I'm going to get up in the strength and the anointing of the Holy Ghost and I'm going to sow my seed everywhere I go and it says in Isaac sowed in that land and in the same year he reaped a hundredfold and the Lord blessed him can I tell you today, church, if you'll sow to the Spirit, even right now, God will bless you a hundredfold. If you'll, be, if you'll be careful not to get caught up in the gloom and the doom of our hour, but continually be sowing to the Spirit, then from the Spirit you will reap life and life abundantly. <laughs> and it says here, verse 13, And the man began to prosper, and he continued prospering until he became 
very prosperous. Very prosperous. Now, I want you to note here verse 14, though. Let me tell you something. If you ever come to church and you hear people talking about their adversary and how the devil's been warring against them and you're thinking to yourself, well, I, I don't, it doesn't ever seem like the devil wars against me. Can I tell you, that's an indictment against you, not against everybody else that's engaged in spiritual warfare. Because the devil is not upset with nominal Christianity. He doesn't care how much you come in and out of this house. You can come in and out of this house with as much religious function as you want to. You can read all your Bible verses as often as you want to, so much as it's just something on your to-do list that you're checking off day after day, and you can be engaged. You can walk around and speak to people in King James English, and he does not care. But when you begin to sow to the Spirit, even in the midst of a famous and barren land, and God begins to bless you for your faithfulness, and you begin to prosper in the Spirit, not in the natural, but you begin to prosper in the Spirit, can I tell you, it begins to stir up the enemy's camp, and he begins to get frustrated with you, and he begins to get aggravated with you, and he would do anything that he can to hinder you, and shut you down, and shut you up, and cause you to retreat and go back to the corner. But that's not really living. That's not really living because then we're not really walking in the fullness of what God has for us. <laughs> so it says this, verse 14, for he had possessions and flocks and possessions of herds and, in great number of, and a great number of servants. So the Philistines envied him. His enemies envied him. And I'm telling you today, church, there's always going to be an animosity of the world towards the man or woman of God who stands by faith in the word of the Lord and enjoys the favor of God in their lives. And then this very next verse, here's where we get to it, okay? It said, now the Philistines had stopped up the wells which his father's servants had dug in the days of Abraham his father, and they had filled them with earth. Again, if you mark in your Bible or you highlight or whatever, you need to highlight that, that section there. Do something to call your attention to that phrase that says, filled them with earth. Filled them with earth. We go back to a time here that's reflective of Abraham's life in Genesis chapter 21. He's, he's sojourning in the same land. He's dealing with some of these same people. And Isaac, uh, Abraham was a man who prospered because of his obedience to the things of the Lord. And he walked through many situations just like this one where there were famines in the land and things like that. And God would speak to him and say, listen, I'm going to lead you. I'm going to guide you. I'm going to direct you. You just continue to stand in faith in my word. And Abraham realized something. That it didn't matter how many cattle he had, it didn't matter how many sheep he had, how many ox, how many goats, how many servants, it didn't matter how much of any of that stuff that he had if he didn't have the water to sustain it. It was all useless. As a matter of fact, Jesus himself said, what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul. 
And, and we're going to come back to that in just a moment. But Abraham's there and King Abimelech comes to him and says, listen, let's make a deal. We've seen God prosper in you. We know that you're mightier than we are. And what we want is peace with you. Well, just the same as it is here with Isaac, the, the enemies understood the significance of the water and they warred and they quarreled against Abraham and they laid siege to Abraham's well. And Abraham says to Abimelech, I tell you what, we can have peace. We can have peace, but the one thing that you need to understand is the well of water is not negotiable. I'm not giving up the well. Your herdsmen have laid siege to my well, and I'm not giving up the well. We can talk about peace all you want to, but I'm not giving up the well. Church, the indictment of the body of Christ is that because people think you're strange, if you move and operate in the spirit because people think you're foolish if you allow the moving of the holy spirit we're afraid we might run somebody off if the spirit of the lord begins to move i've been in those places when somebody will promptly stand up and shut it down and turn it off because they're afraid and they want to have peace with the world around them but I'm telling you what, church, it's time for the body of Christ to stand up again and say, I don't have to be politically correct if it means sacrificing my well. I don't have to make you happy if it means sacrificing my well. I don't have to fit your mold or your standard if it means sacrificing my well. And what you've got to understand is I will not give up the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit in my life. And, and Abraham says, listen, you want peace, that's fine, but I want you to know, however, this well is something that I'm not willing to negotiate. And listen to this, when, when David fell in adultery with Bathsheba, we see him repentant before the Lord, and when he's crying out to God, do you know the one thing he's asking for? He doesn't say, God, would you fix my reputation? Lord, help me to look better in front of my people and my peers. None of that's what he's saying. God, just let's just pretend like none of this happened. No, he's very gut honest before the Lord. But the thing he calls out to God for and says, Restore in me a right spirit. And Lord, please, please, please take not your Holy Spirit from me. Church, we need to get back to that place where we're calling out to God, saying, Restore an upright spirit in us and take not your Holy Spirit from me. But it says here in Genesis 15, that the Philistines were upset. They understood the, where, where I, uh, Abraham's source came from. And after he died, they filled that well up with earth. They filled the well up with earth. And I want to tell you something. There has always been and there will always be an effort on the part of the enemy of God's people to keep the next generation from experiencing that life-giving water that comes from interacting and walking with the Holy Spirit. 
And if, if he can keep you from the life-sustaining streams of the Spirit, he knows that you'll be cumbered about with the cares of the, and the weights of this world, and you cannot sustain on your own. But again, church, the unstoppable church is going to live reliant on the Holy Spirit. And, and listen, the Philistines couldn't do anything about the streams of water that flowed. They couldn't dry them up. They couldn't keep them from flowing. But what they could do was impede access, restrict and block the access. What they could do was try to hinder Abraham and subsequently Isaac's access to the well. And, and the, the, this is the priority given us in Scripture is this. Listen, beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. Because there is no true prosperity outside and apart from spiritual prosperity. That's what Jesus meant when he said, what will it profit a man to gain the whole world and lose his soul? And I'm telling you, church, there is a demonic fervor aimed at your life and mine to keep us from being partakers of that river that Pastor Jason read about in the opening of the service. He wants us to be overwhelmed by this life and all of the challenges that it brings. He wants our faith to be shaken every time when we see things happening that we don't understand. And to keep you and I from accessing this water, he'll fill our lives with earth. The same way the Philistines filled Abraham's well. Busy schedules. Petty arguments. Divisive issues. Worry over... Let me go back to divisive issues. I see so many people arguing about things in the body of Christ that are picking sides. Can I tell you there is no side in the kingdom? There's no side in the body of Christ. We are one in the spirit. We've been all baptized into one spirit. But rather than coming together, the word says when the day of Pentecost, here's another thing right here. The word says when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were in one place, in one accord. They were there in unity. Church, we've got to get back to the place where we're coming together in one accord with the ardent expectation of seeing the Spirit of God move in our midst again. Petty arguments, divisive issues, worry over copious amounts of things that we can't control, and the well just begins to be filled and filled and filled, and it gets harder and harder and harder to get through to the water. But praise God, it says this, and Isaac dug it again. Isaac understood what Abraham knew. That it didn't matter how prosperous they were, the cattle and the sheep and all of those blessings were worthless without the water. Can I tell you, it doesn't matter what luxuries you enjoy in this life, it doesn't matter how fine your house is, your car is, how much money you've got in the bank, any of the rest of it, it is all worthless without the water. If you don't have the water to sustain it, even the blessing can become a curse because you're trying to carry it on your own. 
And Isaac dug again, verse 18, the wells of water which they had dug in the days of Abraham his father. For the Philistines had stopped them up after the death of Abraham. And he called them by the names his father had called them. It's time for the people of God to dig again, to rid our lives of the clutter and the junk that's keeping them from getting in touch with heaven and praying through until the glory of God's presence fills their lives and they are and their parched souls that have been exposed to the barrenness of this world are refreshed and restored. I want to ask you today, church, when's the last time that you prayed through? When's the last time that you prayed through? We don't hear that term much anymore. Nobody talks about praying through anymore. Some of you are probably like, what, is, what does that even mean? I'm going to tell you what it means. It means that you pray through the junk that weighs on your mind constantly. It means that you pray through the anxious moments until the peace of God that passes all understanding floods your heart and your mind. It means you pray through all the darkness of despondency until joy unspeakable begins to rise up in your soul afresh. Listen, if you've ever looked around and, and by all estimates considered yourself to be blessed, but somehow or another you were still empty and unsatisfied, I'm begging you that it's time now that you need to dig through the earth that the enemy has been heaping on your life and restricting your access to the well and prioritize your life to touch heaven and dig again the wells that have been stopped up by the enemy of your soul. Now, here's the great news. Just because you touch heaven today doesn't mean the enemy is not going to try to stop you tomorrow. Isaac dug the well again, and the enemies came, and they quarreled with his herdsmen over it. To the point then, they were trying to aggravate and impede their access to the well. Isaac moves over, and he digs again. They come, and they quarrel, and they quarrel, and they feud. And Isaac moves over, and he digs again. It's wash, rinse, and repeat. Old Testament style. And he's there and he's digging and they're quarreling and he's moving. I'm going to tell you something, church, though. There are some things in this life that are just worth digging for. There are just some things in this life that's worth the effort. And can I tell you that it is worth the sacrifice and it's worth the effort for you to get on your face before God and dig again until the springs of revival begin to well up fresh in your life. Mm. And then they dug again, and we read these amazing words. And this is, this is where we need to get to, church. Listen. Listen with me real close, because this is where I hit a sticking point in this message. I was good up to right here, and I couldn't figure it out for nothing in the world. And I was thinking about this text Wednesday night while Daniel was teaching. And I don't know if it's something that he said that triggered something in my spirit, but all of a sudden, I saw something I hadn't seen. But the word says this. And they moved from there. And they dug another well, verse 22. And they did not quarrel over it. So he called its name Rehoboth, because he said, For now the Lord has made room for us, and we shall be fruitful in the land. He dug a well that the other herdsmen didn't quarrel with him over, and he called the name of that place Rehoboth, which in the Hebrew means wide places. Wide places places we talk sometimes about 
taking new territory in the Spirit. Moving to a place where we've got room. Where, you know, as we sing, it may look like we're surrounded, but we're really surrounded by Him. And I don't know in this as much as it is that the herdsmen of, of Gerard did not quarrel with them, or if Isaac was just at a place in the spirit where he didn't, it didn't affect him as bad. You know, you can get to a place in God where your faith is strong and, and you're walking in the spirit, and it's not that this world is void of its troubles and its hindrances, but it just doesn't affect you in the same way. And, and he's there in that place, and, and this is when you and I tap into a place in the Spirit that God begins to give us new territory, and he takes us to places where we may know that the enemy presses around us, but it just doesn't feel quite as crowded, and where, where we know that there may be hostility towards us, but we're not worried about it. We're sowing to the things of the Spirit, and we're reaping from the Spirit life. And there was a famine in the land. Remember that? See, we've done talked about the blessing and the abundance of God now until we forgot the famine. But there was a famine in the land. And, and understand this, even in the midst of difficulty, God's hand is evident upon Isaac's life. And here we are. I'm going to tell you one more time. It's January 31, 2021. And there's a famine in the land. <laughs> there's a famine in the land but God's blessing is going to be evident in the lives of those that are willing to dig through the earth and all the hindrances and the things that the enemy has tried to stop up your well with and you have tapped into that life-giving source there is a river whose streams make glad the city of our God and for the man or the woman who's standing in faith and drinking from that well I believe that the favor and the abundance and the blessing of God is going to be evidenced in their lives everybody around him is struggling and they're envious of the blessing and the favor of God in his life God has provided a way for Isaac to be fruitful in a barren land. Now here it is. Listen, it doesn't matter how wicked or rotten this world becomes. If the child of God, cleansed by the blood of Jesus, will avail themselves continually to the infilling of the Holy Spirit and drink deeply at the well of the Lord's presence. He will lead you to the place, to a place in the Spirit where you can have room to be fruitful even in the midst of a barren land. 1 Corinthians 2 But as it is written, I has not seen, nor ear heard, nor have entered into the hearts of a man the things which God has prepared for those that love him. But God has revealed them to us through his Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. Church, you may not see revival right now, but if you tap into the Spirit, he can show you. You may not see victory right now, but if you'll tap into the Spirit and drink deep of the river of life, He'll show you. He'll reveal it to you because the Spirit searches all things. Yes, the deep things of God, and He reveals them to His people. 
and you're going to begin walking in the prosperity of the Spirit. And, and in that, look, Isaac's in a barren land, and, and he's done all this, and he's been faithful to God, and he's dug those wells. Again, I want you to notice this. That in verse 23, it says that God comes back, and he renews and restores the covenant with Isaac, and he shows him blessing and pronounces increased blessing over his life. Listen. God, God gives Isaac that renewed vision of something in the spirit. And God said to Isaac, listen, I don't need things to line up to be able to bless you. I don't need every little earthly circumstance to be suited for a blessing. All I need is a servant who's going to stand in my word and prioritize the life-giving water of my presence in their lives and dig out from under every hindrance that the enemy puts in their way until they've drank freely from the water I give and find refreshment and restoration for their souls. That's all I need. And here's the real fruit, church. It doesn't, again, it doesn't matter what we've got in this life. Because one day we're going to leave it all behind. But what's going to matter is when we bring our sheaves before the Lord, those, those souls that have been harvested, those souls that have been won, those hearts that have been influenced for eternity, that's, that's what's really going to matter. That's what's really going to matter. And look at this. Verse 26, stay with me now, because this is, this is the aha moment right here. Then Abimelech came to him from Gerar, and he had some friends there with him. Verse 27, and Isaac said to them, why have you come to me since you hate me and have sent me away from you? But they said, we have certainly seen that the Lord is with you. It's dry and it's barren out there. There's a famine all around you, but we see that you're living in the abundance and the goodness of God. We didn't like you at first and we didn't understand it all, but I'm telling you it's getting worse out here, but everything seems to be getting better at your house. He said, so we said, let there now be an oath between us, between you and us, and let us make a covenant with you that you will do us no harm since we have not touched you and since we have done nothing but good to you and we have sent you away in peace. Now you are the blessed of the Lord. Can I tell you right here, a world that despised and hated this man because of the blessing and favor of God on his life is now seeking him out and saying, we don't know what you've got, but what we want is some sort of accord and restoration and reconciliation with it. So they made, he made them a feast and they ate and they drank. And then they rose early in the morning and they swore an oath to one another. Get this. And Isaac sent them away. And they departed from him in peace. Here's the, here's the catch. Paul wrote to the Corinthian church and he says this. And my speech 
and my preaching were not with persuasive. My speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of man's wisdom, but in the demonstration of the Spirit and of power. Now, if we correlate Isaac's tenacity to access the water to our own fight to crucify the flesh and overcome our own spiritual lethargy and dig out every obstacle that the adversary puts in our way in order to walk in the power of the Spirit, then we see what's happening here is a reconciliation that's brought about by the power of the Holy Spirit. And we see that this is a reconciliation brought by the demonstration of the power of the Spirit in Isaac's life. And everybody keeps crying over the treatment of the church in this society, in this day, the treatment of the church around the world and, and all these things. And, and God knows I love religious liberty. I, I love the idea that you and I can enter this place week in and week out, unhindered, unharassed, and we worship the Lord together. Can I tell you that has produced a little bit of a, of a marginality in the life of many Christians that we take things for granted. And, and we, we call our, we're Christian in name, but we're not drinking from the well of life and we're not walking in the power of the Holy Spirit. And the, the sad reality is that there's a world out there that's languishing, that's looking on at people that have to claim, lay claim to a power beyond themselves to walk in abundance and fullness. But Isaac really did it. And Abimelech looked on and he said, look, they got something. And can I tell you today that there's going to come a time, there's going to come a time before the return of the Lord that a world that's out there that's criticizing and marginalizing and maligning the body of Christ is one day going to rise up and see a church that is on fire with the Spirit of God and they're gonna come to its doors and say I've been empty and I've been broken and I've been suffering through the famine long enough but I'm here because of the Spirit's power and demonstration to make an accord and to find peace and reconciliation for my life and the devil's got us busy trying to change the world through activism and we forget that it doesn't matter how many buildings are stormed how many riots are conducted how many marches and rallies are attended how many cars are overturned how many buildings are burned how much blood is spilled and property is destroyed there's gonna be no real change happening until the church of the living God is found in the plains of the spirit digging again the wells of revival that has been stopped up for far too long in this land and there's no real chance of change until there's a church that's ablaze with the fire of the Holy Spirit and a people that have been drinking from the life-giving water that the well of the Holy Spirit provides for us. Oh, church, sometimes you just got to dig through. And I know there's a lot of confusion. Would you stand? I know there's a lot of confusion in the land right now. I get it. 
There's a lot of things going on that you and I don't understand. We're seeing things transpire in our generation that a couple of generations ago would have been unimaginable and we don't understand. But can I tell you something? We can't make peace with this world at the expense of losing access to the well. And we can't be so cumbered about with care that our well gets stopped up. But we've got to pray through. We've got to pray through the junk and the rubbish and the earth and the techno devices that are training our lives that every time we feel a vibrator or a wiggle in our pocket, we've got to be interrupted and take a look at something that doesn't matter anyway. We need to get in the presence of God. Wait before the Lord. Jesus said to those disciples, Terry, in Jerusalem, wait until you're endued with power from on high. And you shall receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you to be my witnesses. In Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the uttermost parts of the earth. You believe what you want to believe. But I'm believing God for an outpouring of the Holy Spirit on his body. And subsequently, I'm believing God for a great awakening in this land. We hope you enjoyed this inspirational message today. If you would like more information about Faith Assembly, please visit us on the web at faith-assembly.org. Thanks again for joining us, and we hope you have a blessed day.